iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and we thank you for joining us on this particularly grim and rainy and drizzly and crappy Thursday in London. But hopefully it'll get better, because joining us in the studio, it's James Gearbrandt. And down the line, and I've been told not to reveal his location, because I'm told it's getting old and boring. But in this case, given that he's not actually in Rippenden, he's... um, He's near the runway at Manchester Airport. It's Ollie Kay. Later on, we'll be looking ahead to the tie of the round in the FA Cup quarterfinals as Wolves face Manchester United and Molyneux. But we start in Munich, where Liverpool made a clean sweep for English clubs in the last 16 of the Champions League as they beat Bayern 3-1 at the Allianz Arena. It is the first time in 10 years, then, that there are four English clubs into the Champions League last eight. Ollie. What did you make of the Liverpool performance? Did they have to be at their best last night? I think we almost lose sight sometimes of what what is Liverpool's best. Is Liverpool's best the sort of free-flowing football that we saw at times last season? Or is their best the highly mature, disciplined performance that we saw last night, particularly in the second half? And I think the answer is when they get the balance right. And they've got the balance right a lot of the time this season. I thought the performance of the final half hour last night was so good in terms of maturity, composure, uh, intelligence. And if I could just sort of go on a slight tangent already in the podcast, um, rewind 18 months or thereabouts to when Liverpool were the pre-Van Dyke, pre-Alison, pre-Fabinho, when they were this crazy, chaotic basket case of a team that would go 3-0 up in Seville and, uh, and end up drawing 3-3 and, and where you didn't know really what you were going to get from them over the course of the game. They'd have a great 20 minutes and a calamitous five minutes. And they are now just totally different team and they showed that last night. I thought it was another really composed, intelligent performance from a team that has just grown and matured so much. James, where do you stand on the Bayern that we saw in Germany then? You always have to be careful about kind of overreading into into one performance, but I think certainly across the the tie of the two legs as a whole, I think it did it did show up some of Bayern's limitations. I think particularly from an attacking point of view, I think they were quite poor to be honest. I, I, overall, I think if you look at the the expected goals, I think Bayern's total expected goals for the 180 minutes of the tie was about one expected goal. I think most models gave them sort of 0.5 in both legs, basically. And considering that Liverpool were without one of their first-choice centre-backs, Joe Gomez, for the entire tie, and without Virgil van Dijk for the first leg, it's disappointing, really. Last night, you know, I think demonstrated something that we've maybe been aware of for a while, which is that Manuel Neuer is, is maybe not the goalkeeper he once was. The other thing I was I was going to say is that I thought over the two legs as a whole, I thought maybe Niko Kovac was was a little bit not not exposed, but I think you know he's probably a lesser coach than Jurgen Klopp, and I think maybe that that showed over the two Sorry, legs. You can go further than that, no? So than saying he's probably a lesser coach yeah, than sure. he's not a good coach. He's not good. <laughs> no, I mean I know a great season at Eintracht Frankfurt, but I'm not sure that this guy is a Bayern 
caliber coach and I think the team are you suggesting he shouldn't be in charge or will he be in charge next season I don't know they certainly went out on a limb for him they had that press conference before he could well go on and and win the double with Bayern I wrote a column about this last week how weirdly they're, they're still in it but it's a really curious situation I mean you mentioned the people who are absent right so in the Thomas Muller wasn't there for both ties, but then Thomas Muller hasn't been Thomas Muller for a couple of years. Arjen Robin wasn't there, and obviously that's a factor, but Arjen Robin, you know, he's been injured since November. Uh, Joshua Kimmich wasn't there, and we know obviously you played a big part in this, James, because I don't think it's a coincidence that he was one booking away from a yellow card, then he goes and hangs out with Gearbrandt, and then he gets booked in the first leg at Anfield, and he misses the return. And, of course, the opening goal was, if that had been Kimmich instead of Rafinha, Mane wouldn't have got past him. And then maybe we'd be having a different conversation. But, no, on a more serious note, this is a team I, I think that, you know, when, when I saw it last night, and, all right, Lewandowski, fine, untouchable. And Serge Gnabry, I think, has been good. But you had Frank Ribery, he's 36 years old. He's on there for an hour. Mm. You had James, who, who hasn't been good, frankly, you know, maybe since that first, he had that spell before he got injured at the first season at Real Madrid. You know, Rafinha, 33 years old. And, I'm not, and I know he's only playing because Kimmich wasn't there, but still. And then the weird thing is you look to the bench. I mean, Ollie, this must have struck you, right? Bayern are a super club, right? Time to make a change from the bench. And who do they bring in? Kingsley Coleman, fine. Renato Sanchez, really? Mm-hmm. And... um and Goretzka, who's a great player, and but obviously mm-hmm. he's coming off an injury and, and isn't fit. And then you look at the other players on the bench, and it's Alfonso Davies and Jung. clearly ones for the future. They're, they're top of the Bundesliga, level on points and ahead in goal difference. Well, let's focus back onto Liverpool last night and, and talk about someone who was pretty instrumental, Sadio Mane. Two goals for him then, uh, 18 now for the season. That's one less than Mohamed Salah. James, is he one of the best attacking players in Europe? He's been really crucial for Liverpool this season, particularly over the last two months or so, I think, when I think Liverpool's attack has not necessarily been in, in top gear, and I think his form has been a huge part of the reason that, you know, by and large, things have continued to run actually pretty smoothly for, for Liverpool. I want to talk about his his Champions League record, though, which is just phenomenal. Uh, last night, I think, was his 19th Champions League game in his career, and he scored 13 goals. For a winger, that is absolutely... I mean, that's that is incredible. Well, Ronaldo scored more. But if, if you... Well, <laughs> well, funnily enough, funnily enough, I looked at the first 19 Champions League because appearances... Because you knew Gab would come back at you. <laughs> Messi and Ronaldo. So in his first 19 Champions League appearances, Messi scored eight goals. And Ronaldo, unbelievably, scored zero in his first 19 Champions League appearances. Yeah, but some of those were, some of those were from the bench. And Messi and Cristiano were... Teenagers, whereas Sadio Mane is, and that's that's I'm that's just kidding, I'm just kidding. yeah. But you, no, I mean, you make you make a good point because no, that's that's an, then that's an interesting kind of facet of Mane's story yeah. that whereas most elite players have a part of their formative career in the Champions League, because Mane has played at Red Bull Salzburg and and at Southampton, and I think his first Liverpool season they weren't in the Champions League, right? He's sort of been able to come into the Champions League fully formed, as it were. But nonetheless, well, the scoring he, record too is he's not the main prolific winger of the he's not just one of the two wingers the other winger is the really prolific one yeah absolutely i mean it's it's absolutely incredible and obviously you know reflects really well on him but also i think the coaching of your of jürgen klopp it is a 
a great opportunity for the English teams. The, the, the fact that there's four Premier League teams through, normally by this stage, or normally in recent years, I've been writing inquests, <laughs> sort of Premier League inquest pieces by this stage, where, where one or two of the teams might not have got through the group stage, and usually three of them have gone by the first knockout stage, one might squeak through to the quarterfinal. It, it's been so poor, the Premier League's efforts in the Champions League over recent years, but we are now in the midst of a resurgence. I think that's not controversial to say that. It began last season with Man City and Liverpool, and I still think Man City would have been credible contenders for it last year had they not had that sort of disastrous um, 30 minutes at Anfield. But they are amongst the best teams in, in Europe now, and that certainly wasn't the case two or three years ago when Leicester were the only quarter-finalists in 2017. Uh, 2016, there was a Man City got through to the semi-final but fairly unconvincingly and then we had various years before that when nobody got to the quarter-final so it, the improvement over the last two this season and last is plain to see I think and and we've also seen the regression uh, and, and maybe decline of, of others. Well the draw for the last eight is of course on Friday and that will obviously go a long way to determining who will win the Champions League. So shall we, shall we speculate a little bit about this? Which club... It's lazy journalism speculation, you know that, yeah? Yeah, but okay. we're going to do it anyway. Right. And I'm going to ask you, Gap, which club has the best tools, do you think, to go all the way? For me, it's, it's close, but I would lean with Manchester City with one really big caveat, which is that, you know, they, they stay fit. When, when, when I ask myself, what can derail City? They're going to play a minimum of one more FA Cup fixture, most likely two, probably three. So they need the full squad. And if you were to, to look at potential holes, potential issues, Tuesday night, the end of the game, their back four was comprised of two right backs, uh, a central midfielder, and a winger. Because Zinchenko, you know, we can call him a left back. He's played left back, but he's not a left back. You know, he's done it really, really well. In midfield... When those absences pile up, you know, Foden may have to play because David Silva is getting, because of, you know, the injury to Brian and Fernandinho. David Silva, at his age, I think, you know, you can't expect him to be 100% and you can't expect him to go and play every game. Nothing wrong with Foden. He's got a tremendous future, but he's 18 years old. And once you get past Foden, I don't know who the next guy off the bench would be. Delph, if he's not playing left back or isn't injured. And he's injured a lot. Same thing with Aguero. I don't think Pep Guardiola was planning to give Aguero so many minutes this season. I think he really thought that Gabriel Jesus would, would, would split the time. But again, you have a situation where Jesus has, has obviously had his injuries. Aguero's taken on a really big workload. And then you can say, oh, well, but Sterling can play up front. Okay, fine. So you move Sterling up front, and then you have Sané and Riyad Mahrez as your wingers. Fine. Who's the next guy off the bench to come in? Is it Foden again? Is, is, does Foden become the automatic backup to, to you know, three different positions? So that is what can, I think, potentially derail Manchester City. But still, to me, I think they've been playing better football. Uh, they're more solid. They have the experience. I would put them one notch ahead of, of Barcelona and Juventus for those reasons. Oli, what about you? Are, are City the best team on paper in Europe? I think they have been the best team in Europe. If you look at this season and last, they they have been the team that have been consistently on a really, really high level. I would say ahead of Barcelona, ahead of Juventus, ahead of PSG. Obviously, they need to prove that by winning big, big matches in the Champions League. And they didn't do that last season. That might be a bit of a mental block with them. There might be a, a bit of strain on the squad. But I, I, I do think they're the best. 
I really do. But the best team doesn't always win it. The best team in sort of September to March isn't always the best team in April, May. So I would look at Juventus um, maybe as, as my tip um, with the experience they've got, with the big game players they've got. Most obviously Ronaldo. They're a team that knows how to win big matches and, and they'll be still smarting from that experience against Real Madrid last season. So I think their contenders, Barcelona, and, and I think any, any of the four English teams will, will feel... Put it this way, I would I would rate any of those four teams' chances higher than I would have rated Liverpool's chances this time last year because I didn't I didn't expect Liverpool to get past Man City and get through a semi final and get to the final. So that shows how it can all fall into place very quickly in the in this competition. Spurs should fancy their chances of being able to do that. Man United, with the role that they've been on. Um, they should fancy their chances. Liverpool should certainly fancy their chances. I mean, um, I, I, I think Ali, it's, it's, open. It, it's, it's an anomaly that's open also because I had a difficult time picking holes in City, but you can look at the other teams and, you know, Barcelona, they're seven points clear, I think, in La Liga, but they haven't been great. We know they can be great, yeah. but they haven't been great. They have a serious issue. Coutinho isn't performing. Suarez comes and goes. And Coutinho, in fact, is on the bench. I don't think Valverde is a great manager. And while you mentioned, you know, Juventus's consistency, what would terrify me if I were Juve was also is also the fact that, you know, they've been playing really, really poorly. But before the um, the Atletico return game, they've been playing really, really poorly for a really, really long time. While Max Allegri has shown that, you know, in an individual game, sometimes he can pull stuff out of a hat, like play Emre Sean in a back three and put Spinazzola on for his Champions League debut down the left, and all of a sudden the guy looks like you know, Roberto Carlos, he still lost at first leg 2-0, which had there been no VAR, he would have lost the first leg 4-0. And even with all the praise they got last season, they lost 3-0 at home to Real Madrid. Let's not forget that. And then they went and did the return leg. You can't always get those miracles to fall into place. Well, Juventus are, what, 18 point clear at the top of yeah. Serie A? Does that help or hinder them? Because there's no real title race domestically for them. I mean, I think logically it should. There's an interesting point that I think it was Arrigo Sacchi made in the past, when Juventus came up short and they said, well, you know, people cite it as an excuse. Well, it's because, you know, there, there's no competition. When you see Ajax play in the Dutch league, it's not that they have an enormous lead. But even if they're playing against a team that has one-tenth the budget, they go and take the game to them and try to dominate them. Allegri has said you have to try to dominate your opposition in Europe. You can't just go and, you know, and manage a game, well, the way perhaps Liverpool did in Bayern, funny enough, uh, a way to Bayern. But Juventus don't do that. You, Juventus kind of sit, grab a goal, and then sit some more and whatever domestically. And that's not what Allegri wants him to do. The problem is he hasn't been able to get them to play that way consistently in Europe. So, I mean, screw it. Anything can happen, right? And how cool would it be, no disrespect to English clubs, if we saw a Ronaldo v. Messi, Juventus, Barcelona final? But they need to have more performances like the one they had against Atletico. And, and more broadly... So many of these teams you can pick holes in have flaws. I mean, you mentioned Liverpool, right? And Liverpool are ahead of where they are last season, and I would agree in that. But, Oli, Liverpool have played eight Champions League games, correct, this season? Yep. In how many of those games would you say Jurgen Klopp had the right game plan and they executed it well? Um, four. What, the three home games in the group and Bayern away? And, and last night, and I, did, I thought the, the, the first leg against Bayern was was decent so it's like four and a half but if you looked at the group stages it was I mean weren't Porto the only one to win even five group matches have I got that right 
it's been a strange season in the Champions League. Everybody's had hiccups and, and the odd really ropey performance. And obviously Liverpool had those three um, poor away games in, in, in the group stage. But they were very good in their home games. Very good against Napoli. Very, very good against PSG. They've produced three really big performances against strong opponents. Napoli, PSG and, um, and now Bayern. So there probably aren't many teams who you could say that off because you know they've, they've had to be very good because of the, the draw they've had to get to this stage. It's a lot harder than the draw that got them to the quarterfinalists uh, last season. So I, I think they're a much stronger all-around team now, but it doesn't mean they're more, more likely to get to the final or more likely to win it. James, we've discussed then a lot of the teams in this last eight. Who do you fancy to win this? You know, we, we did our predictions before the start of the season and I, I said Man City then. I felt they certainly have the best coach, in my opinion. They, I think, arguably have the best squad. And I think when... Uh, and, you know, City have... Even City have had their ups and downs this season. But I think when City are really on, they have access to a kind of a, a level of football, particularly attacking, that maybe other teams don't. For me, I, I would still... I, I think it's always hard with favourites because you, you get into issues of sort of, you know track record but I think in terms of which is the best team in the Champions League right now for me it's City what was also interesting I was kind of thinking during Gab and Oli's discussion is when you think about which is the team with real Champions League pedigree I sort of automatically thought Barcelona because obviously they've won it I think most recently they've got Messi but actually if you really think about it in terms of recent Champions League pedigree it's Juve you know they're the team that have got to two finals they have in Allegri probably the coach who is well he's certainly far more experienced than Valverde he's you know probably up there with Pep as the coach who's really experienced in the in the latter stages of the Champions League and obviously they have Ronaldo who obviously has just won it you know for the last three seasons in a row so but yeah I agree with what Gab was saying I think you know it, it's it's unusually open this season but yeah for me City are, City are favourites in my opinion. Other than Ollie's brief mention, you guys have all neglected Spurs. All I want to say about Spurs is wasn't that long ago that people were even saying, oh, look, we'll have a three-way race for the Premier League. And I would also say that Spurs are probably, of the four English sides who advanced, but I disagree a bit with Ollie. I, don't, I wasn't that impressed with Liverpool at home. Spurs are maybe the only ones who played well over 180 minutes. This season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. Now, every Thursday at thetimes.co.uk, our very own Bill Edgar provides 11 trivia teasers for you, and here is one for you on this podcast. Which two current Premier League clubs each have three of their former managers who are managing in the Premier League at the moment? Okay, I'm just going to... I'm not cheating. Why are you going on your phone? Because I'm looking at the league table to remind myself of what clubs are in the Premier League, because you know what? We can totally... Between us, we can totally defeat... Bill Edgar this week, okay? Okay. Stick around till the end of the podcast to find out the answer. Well, from the last eight of the Champions League to the FA Cup quarterfinals, which are taking place this weekend, the most eye-catching tie of the round perhaps sees Manchester United travel to Molyneux to take on Wolves on Saturday night. As with the fifth round, there are no replays. We are talking about one-off games from now on then. Ollie Wolves have won the FA Cup four times, the last of which, though, came back in 1960. Could this be their year? 
Well, again, you, you look at the way the FA Cup has gone in recent years, and it, it I mean, apart from the, the Wigan year, it, 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 it's, it's, it's generally been won by the, um, by the bigger clubs, and, and, and obviously Manchester City are still in, Manchester United are still in. I think they would be the bookies' favourites, one and two. But it's, it's. I mean, Wolves will feel that they'll certainly fancy their chances um, against United on on Saturday. And if they get through, then God, you know, of course they'll they'll, they'll fancy their chances going further. But it's it's um, it's, it's, it's I, I think the quarterfinal draw is is really interesting. And, and one thing that's really shocked me in recent seasons in the FA Cup is is how a number of the mid-table teams in the Premier League just don't seem to have taken it seriously. But this season, obviously, Watford have got through and Palace have got through and Brighton have got through. And it's, it's a great opportunity for those, for those clubs. And, and Wolves are one of those. And, and the draw hasn't done them too many favours, but that will be a fantastic game um, at, at Molyneux. And it's provoked a bit of um, hilarity on social media that the way Wolves have this sort of fireworks at uh, before every home game, as if as if every home game is this huge occasion, which quite a lot of them aren't. But this will be a huge occasion, a huge away following from from Manchester United. Great atmosphere, a club that's you know, really on the up. Um, Wolves, and um, I really really look forward to doing that. Are you, are you there, James? Have I got that right? I am. Yes, I'm, I'm envious. Think about United is, is that they've they have got this. Sort of fairly huge squad with a lot of players of very similar caliber in, in in various positions. So I don't think you know everyone was saying oh, they were without nine first team players against uh, or was it ten first team players against PSG. But the, the eleven they put out was still was still you know a very serviceable strong lineup. The midfield less so, but but their their squad is strong. Sometimes they're, they're Starting lineup hasn't had the the greatest quality um, over the last couple of years, but it, it's it's a strong squad and they look equipped to um, to cope with, with things like that. And I've I've had a feeling with them about them with the FA Cup since the season began. Really, I mean, the, the Solskjaer came in and and he thought, yeah, that, that could happen. Um, and that was even not expecting them to have been on quite such an amazing role in, in, in the Premier League. So they they've got momentum despite that defeat at um, Arsenal and they should fancy their chances too if it sounds like I'm um, sitting on the fence about, about what will happen um, on Saturday then um, then damn right I am because it just seems very um, tough to call that one Man United will of course be wary of Wolves this coming weekend we know that Wolves have caused big troubles for teams in the top six this season as they did most recently at Stamford Bridge what is it about the Wolves approach that makes them so difficult for the top six to play against James? Well Wolves are an excellent defensive team they are in terms of expected goals against i.e. the, the chance quality they give up they're in the, the top five in, in the Premier League um, some models even have them higher than that, I think. Um, this is the second expected goals reference on this podcast. Neither one was by me. I just want to know. Please proceed, James. If, if you want to get into it a bit deeper, one thing in particular that Wolves are really good at is they're extremely good at forcing low-value shots, so forcing you to have shots from positions where you, you have a very low probability of scoring. I think the Chelsea game was an absolutely classic example of this, where... Chelsea had something like 20, maybe even 22. Tw- 22 attempts on goal. And I think 
the cumulative expected goals was was only just over one. So that means that roughly the average shot Chelsea had in that game had about an implied probability of about 5% of going in. So that's an absolutely classic example of what Wolves do really well, really good at forcing you to take low-value shots. I think Nuno has done a fantastic job at Wolves this season. I think if you look on the on the attacking side of the ball, they have a lot of what you would sort of call individual quality. They have a lot of really good players, basically. But I think defensively, you know, with no disrespect to those guys, Ryan Bennett, Connor Cody, Willie Bowley, Matt Doherty, Johnny Castrato. Look, I mean, these guys are all having great seasons, but, you know, I don't think they're kind of the most kind of outstandingly talented individual defenders in in the world, I think it's fair to say. But I think what Nuno has done incredibly well, I think they've been a bit lucky with injuries, but that notwithstanding, Nuno has organised them exceptionally well. I think he's had an outstanding season as, as, as Wolves manager. Um, one issue, it's not often that professional athletes, or certainly professional footballers, express their political opinion while they're still playing. There's a tweet this morning from Eric Dyer stating uh, his Brexit-related view. And I was thinking about other footballers who've spoken out and shared their political views. And it's, especially in England, it's extremely rare. The only ones I could come up with while they were still playing were Joey Barton, Carl Henry, um, which is a bit of a stretch. And uh, and then some people were like, oh, what about Robbie Fowler supporting the Dockers? And I said, yeah, I guess that's in a political opinion. He certainly got punished for it, but, you know who's not going to support the Dockers. Like, it's not really something that's... I, I was just curious, you know Eric Dyer better than I do, Ollie. It is unusual, right? It is, it, it is unusual, yeah. I mean, you... Um, you risk alienating um, part of your supporters, you risk hurting yourself commercially. It's and it's not like he said something you know, completely outrageous, but um, it is something that in this day and time is pretty divisive, Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the divisive is, is certainly certainly the word, and, and there's probably um, the responses he would have had are, if not 50-50, then um, probably 48-52 or 52-48. Um, he will have upset some people. He will have upset some Spurs fans or England fans who feel that, that Brexit is um, essential and brilliant and, uh, and so on. But he's, he's a, he's a um, Europhile. He's an intelligent, interesting, rounded, engaged personality he, he's, he's a he's a intelligent guy and and God, you know I, I think it's i think it's good good for him to say that and not be afraid of saying it and i think do, probably do think pr people and clubs would would be terrified at the idea of um players voicing well, I, I'm, political I'm, opinions on 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 twitter but no good good, good for him I'm, I'm curious because you you mentioned pr people and clubs and that was my first thought but we've had managers and we've had jurgen klopp neil warnock they feel they can get away with are, are the clubs somehow do they kind of view it as like, well, the manager is allowed to speak because he's an adult, um, sort of, um, but we can't have players coming out to share it? Or, or or is it a case that some players don't ever think about political issues? Or is that unfair? I think the interesting thing about Diet is, is, is that he was tweeting proactively about it. He wasn't asked a question in an interview or in a press conference. Like, and I think something came up with Brexit, with Warnock in that press conference at Cardiff. And, you know, Sam Allardyce was asked about it in, on a TalkSport show and Jürgen Klopp's been asked about it in sort of one-to-one interviews, whereas whereas I just said, you know, people's vote on, on Twitter this morning, which which was, um, that is far more proactive. That is far, you know, that's deliberately putting something out there. And um, 
players shouldn't be shouldn't be afraid to say what they think politically. I know I know there's there's you know, Gary Lineker gets it every time I'll stick to football. You know, what, what have you got? To, you know, how can you be talking about uh, about politics or anything like that? Everybody has a right to talk about whatever. It's not like the only people who are allowed to talk about football is, is footballers. Is it? So no, it's, no, it's just different it's, because it's, Lineker and Waddle are retired, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. So, so that, that kind of so yeah. just when you're still playing, it just struck me as that's kind of an odd or, or an unusual thing to say. I mean, I'm curious. Do you, what do you guys do? You guys think others will? I mean, just as like Waddle emerged to counter Lineker, do you think we'll get leave means leave or something from somebody else? Or I, I I don't know. I mean, or do you, or is he just going to be like the weirdo one off? I, I think it's really interesting. I, I mean, personally, I mean, a. I'm all for it. I think it's. I think it's great, personally. That you know. I mean, the, the people's vote. I think. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, you know the fact that he felt able to kind of express his political views. I think it's really interesting for him to come out on an issue that's purely political. I think most footballers, are sort of, of course, are you know maintain a fairly neutral stance on almost all issues, basically. And certain footballers, as we've seen. For example, Raheem Sterling doing in recent days expressed themselves very eloquently, but on issues that are kind of more sort of social than political, you yeah. know, stuff like racism or, or sexism, I think, kind of falls into that sphere. Well, and also I think there are issues where the, the view he expresses is... kind of argue with. It's not, yeah, it's not a divisive view. Yeah, you exactly. Know, it, it's so hard to win, isn't it? You yeah. know, on, a, on an, a political issue that is, you know, as almost down the middle divisive as, as Brexit. It, or, it, it, it's interesting, it's just, just to, 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 to wrap this. There's a famous quote often attributed to Michael Jordan about how he never took a stand on anything a political. Uh, and it's a quote that he never actually apparently said. It came out later. But it was that, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. In other words, the other side, which is funny because it also gives away his side. But anyway, um, but it, it's interesting because in, in other sports, certainly in U.S. sports, you had a situation where, you know, last or the Super Bowl champions from two years ago, Philadelphia Eagles, they didn't go to the White House. They were disinvited because after basically saying, well, none of us like this president, or most of us don't like this president, so, you know, 80% of us aren't going to go. You've had a number of people coming out on certain issues. And that is a much more, I think, endorsement-led, image-led ecosystem than football is. I'm just wondering if this is going to herald a change. And you could also very validly, I'm sure some people will say in response to this, why do we care? Why does it matter what Eric Dyer thinks? And I think that's a probably a valid argument as well. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there and welcome to The Sweeper, the Times' fantasy football tips service. I'm Charlie Scott without Paddy Von Bear who is uh, swanning around at Cheltenham. 
Uh, he's actually working very hard, so we won't give him too much grief. Anyway, fancy football. It's game week 31, and it's a bit of a blank game week for a lot of teams because of the FA Cup. So there are only five matches. You should have been planning for this game week in advance, uh, either bringing in players who are playing in this game week or planning to use your free hit, which I have chosen to do. There are some pretty tasty fixtures. I like the look of Bournemouth at home to Newcastle. Callum Wilson came back from injury and was fantastic last week. I think he's a possible captain pick this time round. Ryan Fraser is also in great form. Those two seem to have a telepathic understanding of where the other one is going to be. And uh, David Brooks is a cheap option in their midfield as well. Leicester away to Burnley. Jamie Vardy seems to have got his mojo back under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, he's another player I'd look to have in your team if you don't already or if you're using your free hit. And Liverpool, of course, who are away to Fulham. Sadio Mane is the go-to Liverpool man, which is unusual when they have Mohamed Salah in the team. But Mane has scored 10 goals in his past 10 matches, while Salah's only got three. And Mane comes in at three or four million cheaper. I think if you're playing your free hit, which a lot of people will be, try and get both of them in. It makes sense. But Mane, I think it will be the most popular captain pick this weekend, I would have thought. Don't forget, you can sign up for all the usual tips and team news in the sweeper email at thetimes.co.uk forward slash fantasy football or by joining our Facebook group by searching for the sweeper and you can send in your teams or ask for our transfer advice and Paddy or I will get back to you before this week's deadline. Good luck. Okay, it's time now for our weekly predictions game where we try and predict the score in five featured matches. Now, I do still lead this 14-10 this season, but my goodness, Gab, you're coming for me. Three weeks in a row you've won. Oh, yes. Hmm. Let's start with the magic of the FA Cup at Molyneux, Wolverhampton Wanderers against Manchester United. We're going to predict the score after 90 minutes, and I have it as a 1-1 draw. Do you? I just felt like, I don't know why, I'm, I'm riding on the wave, the crest of the wave, the Wolves bandwagon. I think they might get it done in 90. I'm going for a 2-1 win. But that would mean Solskjaer losing again. I know. But I just like the idea of Wolves continuing their FA Cup run. All right. Fulham and Liverpool, who you got? Okay, so this is in the Premier League, isn't it? On yes. Sunday. I can't see, obviously, Fulham getting anything out of this. Is that Craven Scott Cottage? Parker, thank you. I'm sorry, Scott. Do you hate Scott Parker? Because don't hate Scott Parker. Because he has no Brentford links whatsoever, even though he I mean, he's a Fulham he man. Should. Um, I'm not in love with Fulham or anything, but uh, I'm just not bothered. They're not really your rivals, are they? Well, not now. Oh, yeah, we've established that Brentford don't have any natural rivals, do they? We do right now. QPR in the same division well, Right as now, us. but, I mean, if you ask QPR, like, a, ooh... What about that big rival? QPR, we have a bigger history with, and then we're going back to the 60s when they tried to buy us out and basically get rid of us. But that didn't happen. But obviously, Fulham as well. We do have a bit of a rivalry, but I'm okay. sure those clubs would dismiss any kind of rivalry. Anyhow, as it is, I am going to go for a Liverpool 3 0 win. All right. I'm going to be different, Ooh. but the same. Oh. 1 1. Wow. The title race. Goodness me. Uh, at Goodison, it is Everton against Chelsea, once again in the Premier League. You go first. Chelsea coming off a draw. I could see them getting another draw. 1-1. Oh, stop. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I I think Chelsea will win this one. Two goals to one. Yeah. Leeds against Sheffield United. Now, it says here that WWE, and not just WWE, I might add legend Mick 
Foley yes. was at the Blades game with Brentford as promised. He had breakfast at Billy Sharp's house. Now, that's very impressive. What's more impressive is that as a young man attending an extreme championship wrestling show in the freezing cold in the U.S., and this one was actually in Queens, although obviously ECW based in Philadelphia, uh, there was a huge line outside. It was like minus 10 degrees. My friend had to go to the bathroom, so we decided to just kind of sneak in or, or bunk in, as, as you might say in your country. You've never done that, have you, Natalie? No. No, not, never need at Brentford. Um, we decided to sneak in and uh, go to go find a bathroom inside the building because it was so freaking cold and we had to go. And who's in the bathroom? Mick, Mick. Foley you know, washing his hands. We've heard We've this told before. The story. Mick Foley, one of the one of the good guys. Um, you think he brought Mr. Socko with him? <laughs> I have no idea. He should have done that, shouldn't he? So yes, he's in the championship. So you need to predict first. Here. Okay, I will do. And I'm just going to um, piggyback on your. Obviously, so Leeds pi- went top on Tuesday, but the Norwich reclaimed top spot victory uh, on Wednesday night. Sheffield United going really well as well in the championship. I see goals in this one. I'm going to go for a two-two draw. I'm going to say Leeds to win 2-0 and dedicate the victory to the late, great Bill Fotherby. Finally, the Milan derby. Yes, the Milan derby. Milan going great guns. Christoph Piontek. You must like him, right? Great. Love it. The name itself, Piontek. Love it. Exactly. Inter in danger of falling out of the top four and they have the absolute nightmare from hell. In this ongoing Mauricardi saga... Just Google it because it's just too freaking weird and depressing. You have a man undergoing a weirdo mental breakdown and it's just him and his wife against the world, including Icardi's own family. Inter, of course, being self-destructive once again. So that said, logic would suggest favoring Milan, but it's a derby. So I'm going to say 1-1. Oh, you've gone for a lot of 1-1s this week. I still think... Milan will come good. They're unbeaten in the league since just before Christmas. I know it's a derby, so there's, you've got to factor that sometimes that into it. I think Inter will score, but I think Milan will win 2-1. Just time to give you the answer to Bill Edgar's trivia teaser. We asked which two current Premier League clubs each have three of their former managers who are managing in the Premier League at the moment. And we were able to work this out earlier and mm-hmm. hopefully... Charlie will be kind enough to drop in the audio of that. Liverpool, you have Hodgson, you have Rafa Benitez. Kenny Dalglish, I believe, is not managing. Am I missing out? Oh, and Brendan. There you go. We got it. That's one. That's one. We got you. We got you. All right. Here we go. Watford, Marco Silva. Kike Sanchez-Flores. Not in the Premier League. Walter Mazzari. Jokanovic. Christ, Mazzari, no. I think we can say goodbye to Watford. Is there... Oh, Sean Deitch. Oh, interesting. Ooh, that's two. Here Do we... we have... Oh, and Brendan! <laughs> it's Brendan Rodgers again! <laughs> Hang on, who we... So, Brendan... Brendan, Sean Deitch, and... Sean Deitch managed Watford, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And, uh... And Marco Silva. Yes! Oh! Take that, Bill Edgar! <laughs> funny how Brendan Rogers surfaces twice in that. But yeah. The basic point here, Natalie, is that this was not a challenge for us, <laughs> and Bill really, really, Fails. really needs to up Fails. his game. Yeah, you're right. Very you're disappointing. Right. <laughs> Indeed. But that is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, James Gearbrand and Ollie Kay. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and 
also on your smartphone or tablet. Just one pound a week for an eight-week trial. All you have to do is search The Times subscription. I like to put it in quotes, uh, but you don't need to uh, for more information. We'll be back on Monday after FA Cup quarterfinal weekend. And we can look forward to an exciting international break. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.